We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Packaday Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This. Day podcast. Happy Victory Monday, Packer fans. Welcome into the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day podcast. Packers pick up a victory in Baltimore, a hard-fought victory, 31-30. They win the NFC North. They clinch a playoff spot. We'll get to all of that in just a moment, but this was sort of the game I was expecting. Now, if you listened to the video yesterday, I mentioned I thought the Packers would win by about six points. This was a little bit of a higher scoring game than I thought that it was potentially going to be, and Baltimore certainly made it very close at the end. But if you remember, one of the things I said is there's no reason to apologize if you can get out of Baltimore with a win, regardless of the score, regardless of how it happens. You just knew that this was going to be a Ravens team that, uh, again, they even mentioned it during the broadcast, right? That this was a team that probably felt a little bit disrespected, that nobody was picking them. They felt like they were, uh, you know, behind the eight ball, that they had everything to prove. And they came out and they gave Green Bay all they could handle for four straight quarters. And Green Bay gets away with a one point win after a failed two point conversion and thankfully a recovered onside kick for Green Bay. That was all she wrote. Packers, again, pick up that win. But again, I want to say this very clearly. On a day where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Arizona Cardinals lost to the Saints and to the Lions, respectively, there is zero reason to apologize for picking up a win against a winning football team on the road in Baltimore against a unfamiliar opponent. I know that there were times that that game didn't exactly look great. I know that there are probably some concerns on the defense. I know there are concerns with the special teams. I know there were opportunities for Green Bay offensively to get out of that game without needing to get that stop at the end on the two-point conversion. But when all is said and done, Green Bay, oh, by the way, NFC North champs, clinches another playoff spot, have now won 11 games, which is the best in the NFL, control their destiny for the number one seed, have put 30 points up for the fourth straight week, have won their third straight game. This is a very good football team that, yes, does still have some things to clean up. And as we've sort of been saying all year long, you would rather learn these lessons and figure out how to clean these things up 
in the regular season game following a win than following a loss or learning these lessons in the playoffs. And let's get to some of those lessons because I think the big talking point here, and again, I don't want to you know, belabor this or any way, shape, or form because last week it was interesting because the, the Packers win that game against Chicago and the talk all week is about how awful the special teams was and deservedly so. This week, Packers win again. And like I, I think it is really easy to get into this mindset of, like, of just focusing on the negatives, right? There were so many positives in this game and we'll get to all of them. But I do think much like the special teams was the talk of last week, that the defense is the talk of this week. But I do think there's a couple ways to look at this. I think the first way is that, yes, there were definitely some concerns with how the Packers defense played in this game, mostly at the beginning and like the end of the game. In the middle, they sort of were able to get everything together and sort of calm things down a little bit. But my, my concern was a couple full. I think the first thing is that you had to know you just had to know going into this game that there were really two keys for the Packers defense. The first was stopping Mark Andrews, the you know very explosive and talented tight end who I'm going to be totally honest. I knew Andrews was good. I didn't know he was quite that good. He is a phenomenal football player and tore up the Packers defense all game long. That had to be number one. And number two had to be containing Tyler Huntley in the pocket. Now, I could understand to maybe some extent, right? If you were expecting, you know, a starting quarterback all week long that was just going to be a pocket passer, and now all of a sudden you had to make this last second transition to Tyler Huntley, the Packers knew that they were going to be facing either Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley this week, and they just faced Justin Fields and struggled to contain him at portions of that fourth quarter. You would think that a key to this game would have been going over and over and over how to contain mobile quarterbacks, keep them in the pocket, spy when you need be, and Green Bay could not do that. They continued to let Tyler Huntley out of the pocket. The Packers contain was horrible in this game. That starts usually with the edge rushers, but it was really all, all across the board from, from linebackers to interior defenders to edge rushers, just not being able to build a, you know, a, I guess a bubble around or just contain the pocket for Tyler Huntley and allow him to get outside of the tackle box to allow him to step up, to allow him to find passing lanes. Like, just all of it was really, really bad from the Packers defense. And then not having a solution for Mark Andrews, right? Darnell Savage played very poorly in this game. A part, a part of that is, is Darnell Savage, no question. But a part of that is not putting your player in the best possible position to succeed. Mark Andrews versus Darnell Savage, Mark Andrews versus a safety is going to be a mismatch more often than not. And I totally understand and respect the fact that sometimes you need to show quarterbacks, especially young and experienced quarterbacks, some different looks and some different things. And if you want to man up, you know, savage on Andrews a couple times here or there, try to hide it, try to disguise it. I get that. And I understand that. But this was more than that, right? This was getting Andrews on Savage one-on-one -on, -one on multiple different occasions. And Savage just was not up to that task. And again, that's not all on Savage. That is a tough ask for any safety in this league, especially one that's a little bit undersized and is going up against this really strong physical tight end. That's just not a matchup you want to consistently have. So the fact that that was the game plan going in concerning and the fact that there was really very little adjustment it was also very concerning because even going down to the final couple drives, those touchdown drives that almost gave the Ravens a win in this game, you're looking at Darnell Savage or really just Mark Andrews, you know, again, being a, a factor for the Ravens and Green Bay not having uh, really a plan to stop him up until the final two-point conversion play. 
and then, you know, not containing Huntley. Like those things were still beating Green Bay in the fourth quarter. So you have to question the game plan and then you have to question the adjustments uh, to the game plan, even when it didn't start working. They just didn't, they weren't able to figure that out. And I think that is somewhat concerning and a little bit frustrating as you're looking back at this game. Now back to Darnell Savage for a moment, because one of my favorite things, uh, well, let me start by saying this, one of my least favorite things of covering the team is having to call out players who are playing poorly, right? As I mentioned during the game, Darnell Savage is my fifth lowest graded defender coming into this game. I feel like he has struggled for the most part of the season. Is he a bad player? No. Uh, Mike Wall and I touched base on this on the video last week, um, but he hasn't exactly ascended to that first round pick and really taken that jump that I think a lot of people, myself included, were hoping he was going to take because there were real true flashes of that in year one, in year two, that maybe there was a higher plane for Darnell Savage to get to. Instead of reaching that plane, I think you can make a very strong argument that he's actually taken a step back. But you know, having to call that out, I would love love, love, love as both an analyst and a fan to just go over everything and every player being amazing and nobody's performing poorly. That would make things a lot more fun and a lot easier, but that's simply not the case. And Savage has struggled at times this year and he struggled again. On the flip side, one of my absolute favorite things I've seen when I've covered a, you know covered the team or just as a fan is seeing a player overcome adversity or overcome a game where they're struggling. And I think you have to give Darnell Savage a lot of credit for one playing better in the second half. It wasn't perfect, but he he made consistent improvements in the second half to what we saw in the first half. Made a big tackle in the open field, which was not one that you should take for granted. There were a couple other nice plays, and then of course batting away the final two-point conversion by making a great read, exploding to the football, trusting his keys, and getting a, a fingertip on it to deflect it and bat it away. I don't think that was going to be completed anyway, but that's not here nor there nor the point. I thought he bounced back and made a play when this team needed it most, and that is sort of a microcosm of this defense as a whole uh, on Sunday, right? struggled at, at parts to cover Mark Andrews and to contain the quarterback. And it looked at times like maybe this was going to be the unit that was going to give the Packers a loss in this game. But at the end of the game, one play to go home and win and get on that plane with a victory, Ravens offense versus Packers defense, two-point conversion, and the Packers defense came up with a play when they needed it most. And I think that is a, a positive and something to build off of as they go into next week. So Overall, as I mentioned, game plan and just lack of adjustments, I think is a little bit concerning. I think how they contend with mobile quarterbacks, if they see it, I know they played well against Kyler Murray earlier this year, but if they see him again, is that going to be an issue? I, you know, this isn't an NFC playoff picture that has a ton of mobile quarterbacks, right? Dak can move a little bit, but it's more of a, right now, a playoff picture of what Brady and Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins and uh, so on and so forth. So, you know, Matthew Stafford. So it's not exactly the most mobile quarterback quarterback, uh, crazy playoff picture, but you could certainly see, uh, you know, a, a Kyler Murray, you, you could see, believe it or not, a Taysom Hill. There's, there's different mobile quarterbacks that you could see. Uh, so it's definitely something that they're still going to want to be prepared for moving forward and just frankly didn't do a good job of it on Sunday. But again, we're able to pull off a victory nonetheless. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's talk about a positive next, and that has to be Aaron Rodgers. Now, this was not Rodgers' 1A game. I'm really excited to, to go back and look at the All-22 on this one. Missed the the, the you know deep throw to, uh, to Adams early in the game. Missed the touchdown to Lazard uh, late in the game. That really would have sealed the game. But overall, a couple just ridiculous throws, throwing MVS open on a couple occasions, the throw to Adams, just in complete control of the offense as you would expect him to be. And just, you know, no matter if they're down 7 nothing, they go back and score a touchdown. They're down 14-7, they go back and score a touchdown. There's no panic. There's no pause. It's another thing I mentioned in the video yesterday of just saying, like, stay even keeled. I don't care what the score is. I don't care what's happening. And I thought... Aaron Rodgers, the offense, and even the defense at the end of the game, regardless of all that had happened, they stayed even keeled. They kept playing their, you know, their brand of football and they came away with a win in the end. And again, Aaron Rodgers, a huge part of that. But the the piece that I wanted to touch base on, on Aaron Rodgers, that I think is even more impressive, that even goes so unnoticed is how much Aaron Rodgers matters when he's not even on the field. And I'm not talking as a leader or as a motivator or as like any of that. I'm talking about how much pressure and fear that other coaches have or are put on other coaches because Rodgers is on that opposite sideline, right? That opening fourth down uh, that the the Ravens went for it on their very first drive, which now that you know it was a one score one point game at the end, that fourth down stop very early in the game becomes much more consequential in the fact that they didn't kick a field goal. But the reason, the, a big reason, the Ravens are going for it there is because they know they have to put up points in this game and that Aaron Rodgers is on the other sideline. Against the Jets or some other lesser team, they probably just take the three points there. You know, there's a couple other fourth down decisions. Again, the the, the fourth down when the Packers were up 11 and they're on their own, what, 27-yard line? It's like fourth and, what, six, seven, something like that. And the Ravens go for it in that situation. If there's a crappy quarterback on the other side of the field, you're just going to punt that thing away and be like, we can get the ball back. You're not going for it on fourth down in your own side of the field at that point with Tyler Huntley at quarterback, even though he played great. You're just not doing it. You're punting, you're getting, you're hoping to get the three and out and get the ball back. But because Aaron Rodgers is on the other sideline and he hadn't been slowed the last few possessions, you're thinking we can't give the ball back to him or we're going to lose. And it puts so much more pressure on the coach to make that decision. It puts so much more pressure on the offense. The defense gets the stop there. And it basically gave Green Bay a free three points because Green Bay's offense, unfortunately, was unable to convert in the in the red zone uh, to Alan Lazard on that play. But their their defense and, and again, the pressure that Rodgers put on the Ravens basically got them a free three points. Aaron Rodgers just being on the other sideline 
makes coaches do crazy things. And you see it against Mahomes too in the in the Chiefs. And uh, we saw it with the, the Chargers this last, what, Thursday, right? When you're facing a quarterback like that, teams press and they make decisions they normally wouldn't make. And they get a little bit careless and reckless at times. And I'm not even necessarily saying that I, I totally disagree with the, the calls that Harbaugh made. But it's it's worth noting that a lot of those calls were made because of who's on the opposite sideline. And I think the two-point conversion at the end is another key piece of that. Now, maybe with a backup quarterback, regardless of who you're playing, maybe you're going for it there anyway. However, I think a big part of that was thinking if we go to overtime and we've got to play this straight and it's, you know, it's against Aaron Rodgers, if Green Bay gets the ball, they're going to go down and score and, and we're, we're, going to, we're going to lose without seeing the ball. And again, just the pressure and respect and fear that Rodgers puts in the heart of other coaches is a real legitimate thing. As, I, as I've touched base on a couple different occasions this past week, I, I love going through and grading every player on every play. There's just sometimes that there's no number that does justice to what Aaron Rodgers does for the Packers. Overcoming special teams errors and defensive mistakes and being able to put up points in a game where you have to score in order to win and all of those things. But also, again, just the way that the game and the field tilts in Green Bay's favor based on how the other team has to play because Aaron Rodgers is quarterback for Green Bay. I can't state it enough. He flips so many variables in Green Bay's favor just by being on the team. It is beyond crazy. And I thought this game was a really great indicator of that. Packers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices in all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers Vikings in Minnesota, going to be heading west for that game, attending my first game in the new Vikings stadium. Cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to TickPick.com slash Packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase. All right, let's talk about everyone's favorite topic, and that is special teams. Only, only five major errors in this game, and somehow, somehow, some way, that feels like a major improvement, uh, yet still, in a way, very laughable. I can't tell you enough how non-normal that this is. You don't see teams have five big special teams errors in one game. That's like a month's worth of special teams errors for some teams. And you're seeing that in one game, and that was an improvement from a week ago. That is crazy. Just to recap, they had the fair catch interference by Isaac Yadam. They had a holding penalty on a nice return by Amari Rogers. They had the kick return miscue where you know Jonathan Garvin's put in a position to potentially field a pop-up kick. He can't get it. So then Patrick Taylor comes up, who was the returner in that situation. It goes through his legs and Jonathan Garvin has to figure out a way to jump on the ball so that they don't get an onside kick recovery at the Packers 10-yard line. They end up with the ball, but on their own 12-yard line. Like that stuff can't happen. They had a delay of game on a punt, a delay... A delay of game on a punt. I'm, that's a real thing that happened. And then followed it up with a low snap from Wordle to Bajorquez and a, a poor punt in a key situation that set up the Ravens in Green Bay territory. Like, 
those are those are mistakes that can't be made and could have cost Green Bay once again in a very close game in a one point game. And even on the the onside kick, right, that ball came dangerously close to hitting Tyler Davis on the leg. Like it, it's just a it is a roller coaster every single time the Packers special teams are on the field, and you're just hoping that they can get off the field without doing something catastrophic. That should not be the basis for your special teams. It should not be, oh crap, just don't let something go wrong. It is in a horrible state right now, the Packers special teams. I will say that Mason Crosby has kicked the ball with much more confidence. The blocking issues seem to be completely shored up. And, uh, you know, the 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 entire operation from snap to hold to kick has looked much better. We haven't seen many long field goal attempts these last couple games, so we'll see if that continues. But the the operation to the to the naked eye looks better. So hopefully that's one thing they have cleared up. But my goodness, you are fighting for a Super Bowl and you don't have a special teams. And again, and I don't know how many times I need to say this, they don't have a returner. Go find a returner. Your scouting staff has to have an idea on somebody in the world that could potentially catch and return kicks and punts. They don't have that. They need that and should be something that they are actively pursuing every single day until they find them. Just sign somebody new, put them back there, see if they can do it. It is a huge issue right now and something that needs to continue to get cleaned up until they find a fix on all aspects of special teams. All right, let's move on from special teams into, again, once again, a a much better story. And that was MVS in this game, who I thought was a real key integral part to the Packers' success and win. You saw the Ravens do everything in their power to take Devontae Adams out of the game. And I think Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers both mentioned just like how much the Ravens double teamed him. And you would see Adams go in motion and two guys go with him. There's, There's no higher level of respect that you can give a player. There's no bigger tell than seeing two guys just go with him and saying, hey, we're we're not going to let this guy beat us. Probably something similar should have been done to Mark Andrews on the other side, if we're being fair. Uh, but you knew somebody was going to have to step up. And last week, uh, in a similar situation, it was Alan Lazard who stepped up big. This week, it was MBS, five catches, 98 yards, and a touchdown, converting a couple big first downs, having the, the touchdown, just... I thought he played a really fantastic game. I thought you could see him make some contested catches. The the play where Rodgers throws him open, like it's a beautiful, gorgeous, ungodly, not fair throw by Rodgers that just, you know, chalk it up to something you're used to seeing Rodgers do every game that is just absurd. Uh, But that's a really difficult late adjustment and just like trying to see the ball through all that traffic and like you're getting your head around and the ball is like in the perfect spot, the only place you could catch it. But there's still an adjustment there and you have to read it in such a short period of time. And MVS just came up with with catch after catch that showed again, his value to this team. And I forget who I was talking to last week, but I think sometimes it's so easy to forget too that, and I want to go back a week ago of how valuable MVS you know, is even when he's not making plays. Last week, he continued to run route after route that was just dummy decoy route. And the teams have to respect him because he can take the top off the field and you'll see a safety plane over top of him uh, on, on quite a few occasions. And him running some of those deep routes to clear things up underneath, MVS on this team and on the field makes things easier for Lazard and Adams and the tight ends and the running backs underneath and even in the run game. So even when he's not, again, making big plays, he is having an impact. And I thought this game he was making plays and having an impact, but also doing some of the same same stuff that he always does. 
All right, let's go to first quarter struggles because that has been another really interesting theme for this team. Once again, after the first quarter, the Packers found themselves down 7-0, a very similar spot that they've been in this season. That was the sixth time this season that they've been trailing 7-0 after the first quarter, the sixth time. That was their ninth time that they've been trailing after the first quarter. Only twice this season have they actually been leading after the first quarter. This was the ninth time that they failed to score in the first quarter. And so far in the first quarter, the Packers have been outscored 71 to 34 this season. So only 34 points in the first quarter on the entire season is crazy. And the fact they've allowed 71 points doesn't help either. Now we know Green Bay would prefer usually to get the ball in the second half, but it's not like they've won a ton of coin tosses, you know, either. So this is a, a continued issue uh, for Green Bay that they're getting off to these slow starts. Now, a ton of credit to Green Bay for being able to manage that. We know that they're 11 and three, so it's not like these first quarter starts have been, you know, kryptonite for them. They've been able to overcome it easy and not have, you know, major issues with it. But you would love to see the Packers get off to stronger starts and uh, just being able to to kind of get teams playing, you know, a little bit reckless and aggressive like we saw Baltimore play a little bit when they were down uh, by what, 11 points and having to go for it in their own territory and things like that. So you know, making a team one-dimensional because they're behind early changes everything. And, uh, you know, if, if Green Bay is not careful in the playoffs, they get off to a slow start. What what really, what it sets up, right, what happens is when they're down 7 nothing, right, it, it may not look like that big of a deal. Or when they're down 14-7 in this game, it may not feel like that big of a deal. Uh, but what it, what it really does is it opens up a a door for the other uh, the other team to make a big play defensively and completely change and, and and put the game on its head, right? Because let's say that Rodgers throws a pick or somebody fumbles and they get it in great territory and now they score a touchdown again and now you're down by 14 points, like everything just swings, right? Now Green Bay has to be ultra aggressive and becomes one dimensional and uh, the other team now has a ton of confidence and everything changes. So yeah, when you're down those seven points and it's 7-0 or 14-7, when you've got Aaron Rodgers in this offense and the, the way that they're playing, it doesn't change all that much. And as they've shown on multiple occasions, they have the ability to come back from that, but it just opens some windows into some not great opportunities for the opposing team. And, and one big mistake can, again, put that game completely on its head. Come playoff time, if it, you know, it's just giving the other, op- the other team more opportunities uh, to, for something that to happen. And when you face better teams, again, you, you want to avoid those type of situations. So first quarter deficits have not been a major, it's like they've happened a lot, but it hasn't been a, you know, a death blow for, for Green Bay's, you know, win loss record. They're again, they're 11 and three, but you really want to make sure that that's not happening come playoff time because better teams will take advantage of that and, and beat you with it. And it's something that Green Bay clearly needs to improve on moving forward. All right. Speaking of NFC North champions, Green Bay did clinch the NFC North. They were the first team to clinch a playoff berth. Oh, by the way, the Buccaneers and the Cardinals both lose on the day as well, which is a crazy result. And I know what you're thinking already. All right, the Buccaneers lost, the Packers won. Does this mean now that the Packers can lose a game and still clinch You know, the, the number one seed in home field advantage now that the Buccaneers lost? And the answer is unfortunately no. They do still need some help from the Cowboys if they were to lose a game. 
uh, Green Bay's uh, tiebreaker with Dallas is based on NFC record, and Dallas has only lost one game in the NFC all season, which is one less than the Packers have. So if they if if the Packers were to lose a game and the Cowboys were to win out, they would actually be the number one seed and not Green Bay. So Green Bay at this point still does need to win out to guarantee the number one overall seed. Now, if you're looking for a potential dream scenario in two weeks, I mean, I guess Dallas could lose next week too, right? But like in two weeks, Dallas goes to Arizona. They go to the Cardinals. I believe it's in Arizona. Don't a million percent quote me on that, but I know they for sure play the Cardinals and I think it's in Arizona. Uh, But either way, they play the Cardinals. If Dallas were to lose that game, and Green Bay were to, to win their next two against Cleveland and Minnesota, they would wrap up the number one seed and a first round bye at week 17, at, at the end of week 17, or I guess whenever they win that game, right? So with that in mind, week 18 against Detroit becomes basically an extra bye week, becomes basically a exhibition game for both teams. And then they would have a bye before the divisional round. So they would have two weeks. Now I know some of you are immediately thinking, I don't know that a, a two-week buy is best and you want to see this team playing their best football and compete. I get that. There isn't a team in the NFL where if you could give them that scenario right now that wouldn't take that. At the end of the day, it still is about playing the game. And if you can give Green Bay two weeks of rest uh, for some of their key players and not have to have that Lions game matter and watch as some of these other really good teams beat up on each other, that is a huge, huge, massive advantage for Green Bay. And, and again, we can say whatever, like you know, whatever scenario we would or wouldn't like to happen. At the end of the day, the playoffs are going to get set in a few weeks and everyone's going to just have to, you know, get, you know, play the, the the hand that they're dealt, right? And we know that there's no perfect scenario. Yes, you would think it's better to have the one seed, but it's not very often we get the one seed versus the one seed. Whatever you get, you have to go out and play your games and win football games. And the team that's playing best in January is the team that's going to do that. And we'll find that out either way, right? Regardless of what, you know, you know, regardless of who you have to face. Do I think it's an advantage? Yes. Do I think that that would be an ideal scenario? Yes. But regardless of what happens, Green Bay is going to be in the playoffs with a home game to start in January, and they're going to have the opportunity to be one of the best teams in football. So I still think it's best that they they get those wins and can have a, have a bye week and, you know, be the number one seed and have the playoffs go through Lambeau Field and the opportunity to go through the Super Bowl to, through Lambeau Field. But regardless, they put themselves in a position that they're going to start with a home game to begin with. They won the NFC North, clinch a playoff, and again, could potentially clinch that number one seed by the end of week 17, which is pretty crazy to think about. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The other big news from this game. I can't believe I'm saying this. 
it seems like Green Bay actually got out of this game with no injuries, which is amazing because that has almost never happened all season long. Now, we did see Alan Lazard get a little bit banged up, but he came back. We also heard in the postgame presser that Amari Rogers got banged up for a bit, but he also came back. So uh, it looks and feels and seems like Green Bay got out of this game with no major issues. Now we will see. We'll we'll see who's not practicing this week. Uh, it was great news that MVS was able to go, and again, thankfully in hindsight, because remember he was questionable going into the game. But uh, overall. Great, great news if Green Bay can get out of that game with no injuries. And speaking of which, in, in a related sort of topic, Kenny Clark didn't play this game, right? And I think, and I tweeted out, I think we can make the case even more for Kenny Clark as def, uh, defensive MVP of the Packers after that game, because you can just see how much he matters and not having him out there, what that means to the defense. Uh, but in a weird way, him getting that time off. Now I know it's not ideal with COVID, right? But I'm not saying anyone's you know sitting and relaxing and chilling with a, a pina colada uh, while having COVID. I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape, or form. And again, certainly still hoping for for Kenny's health. He was very active on Twitter on Sunday, so hopefully that means he's in very good spirits. And based on his tweets, it would seem like that's the case. But from a physical wear and tear standpoint. Uh, the fact that he was able to not play in that game and Green Bay was able to get out with a win could pay huge dividends down the road for his overall just well-being and wear and tear. He was eighth in the league in snaps for interior defenders going into that game. So getting that extra rest and getting that time off for a player of his size and stature of importance uh, could give him a little bit more juice come the, the close of the season and playoff time. So I know it wasn't ideal to not have him out there, and it probably made that game much harder than it needed to be, uh, but the the lack of uh, wear on his body could actually be very helpful as the Packers uh, try to close up this season and make a run in the playoffs. couple other really quick ones. If you're re-watching this game, watch Tyler Davis. I really, really think Brian Gutekunst in Green Bay found something in Tyler Davis. He played his biggest role of the season. Part of that may have been due to Dominique Daphne being out, but he played his biggest role of the season. And I'm telling you right now, he looked the part in almost every way. The seam catch up the middle was the big play that you're going to remember. And I know a couple of people on social media were going, who's Tyler Davis? He's been here since like week three, like the third week of September. So he's been on the roster for a while. And I've, I mentioned, I don't know when it was, but he's had some really intriguing plays on tape in very, very, very minimal uh, amounts of time. But this week he gets his most extensive action. The seam plays the big play up the middle, but his blocking in this game was fantastic. Like if he blocks like that, he is going to see the field more often. I have to think that as Matt LaFleur and company watch this tape, they're going to be excited about what he put on it and potentially look to give him a bit more playing time. Watch out for Tyler Davis. That was impressive tape. And I'm really excited to see him on the all 22 as I get to watch it even a little bit closer. And then last but not least, the Packers offensive line. We just have to keep saying it, right? This is not normal. If you lose your four top guys on your offensive line, you should not be this good as an offensive line. It is crazy. And it wasn't perfect, but Yash and Dennis Kelly and John Runyon and Lucas Patrick and Royce Newman, those guys battled and played a great game. And I know that there have been times where you know, the offensive line has maybe looked like they were good, but when you go back and watch it, it was like, uh, not so sure about that. We'll see how the all 22 looks this week. But I mean, 
we're at the point where with so many injuries, I don't even care if it didn't look aesthetically pleasing and maybe some things were off, right? Like the fact that they can get out of a game while playing their offense and still being so effective with their four top offensive linemen missing and you know losing Corey Lindsley and Rick Wagner from a season ago, it's it's unbelievable and it's unheard of and it's not normal. And Adam Stenovich is a freak for what he's able to do with this offensive line. And Brian Gutekinds deserves so much credit for the depth he's developed on this team. Massive, massive credit to the Packers online and battling through all the injuries that they've had. Packers-Browns on Christmas Day. Uh, Rodgers will go for the Packers touchdown record. Uh, he's one away from passing Brett Favre, so that'll be something fun to watch for on Christmas Day. Packers open as a 7.5 point favorite, uh, and, or 7.5 point favorite, I guess is a better way to put that. And uh, should be a really fun day on Christmas Day. And if you're wondering about the Browns, you will get to watch at least some of them. They have a million and three players on the COVID list and that aren't playing on Monday Night Football, but we will get to at least watch some of them uh, in action on Monday Night Football tonight. So that'll be, you know, fun to watch as, as they will have a short week and get ready to play the Packers on Christmas Day, assuming nothing gets postponed due to COVID. I would be shocked. It, you know You know that the NFL is going to want to do everything in their power to keep that game on Christmas Day. No two ways about it. So we'll see what happens, but it will definitely be uh, you know just fun as a Packer fan to be able to watch Cleveland on Monday Night Football as we head into this fun Christmas Day game. That is a very, very important game for the Packers. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much, as always, for joining me. I always appreciate it. It means a ton to me. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all-new episode. But until next time, and as always... Go Paco. fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s-based restoration specialist on your team you won't have to face drained accounts fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone all backed by the lifelock million dollar protection package change the game on identity theft save up to 25 percent your first year at lifelock.com aware